Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk. All right, four twenty-seven here in the Kiva, AM sixteen hundred KIVA, ninety-three point seven FM. People are so nice to us now. They just like, oh, say hello. Uh, hi, Sandy. I wanted to play uh, Greece's uh, Sandy. Oh, like Sandy, yeah, Sandy. Yeah, I met her this summer. Yeah. Watch right. you here. Watch you here. Um, yeah. And, uh, speaking of nice people, we got a nice little note from yep. Impeach MLG uh-huh. petition. I literally opened thirty seconds ago. Okay. My registration is showing inactive. Uh-huh. Sad face. Trying to get it fixed. Hope this helps. And with a couple of uh, uh, impeachment petitions thrown in the envelope, we you really appreciate what you people day are doing. Registration. Same day registration. Ah, yes. um, so take your ID. That's the way that the, it to works. The, Thanks the to uh, Janice Earl Jones is running for the PRC, which Michelle O'Hungersham is. Trying to abolish, so uh, you can get all that uh, well, done. Well, not so by much her. abolish as just subject it to her dictatorial control. Well, <laughs> she's trying to abolish the freedom of us to pick right. the PRC. So right. at right. that point, it's not our PRC anymore. So I, I mean it in terms of that. Uh, last night's VP debate, thanks for those of you who tuned in and caught all my coverage. Uh, Dow, thank you for tuning in. That was very well, nice Well, you know, the thing is, I, yes. reading the coverage, did you watch it or did you listen last night? Both, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I only big. listened. So I'm kind of crazy. There's something crazy about me is I, I really am into these debates, and I couldn't find a, a place to kind of catch the wave and uh, write it in. There was nothing there that was actually worth commenting on, and it, it was such an incredible blowout because the classless Kamala Harris, oh. and I do mean that. I wanted to see a back and forth of uh, an, an ideological philosophical exchange, and there, it just didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I covered. I listened to uh, uh, Darren, the... Uh, uh, the, the sheriff uh, early this afternoon, apparently he's a, he was a classmate of hers. Oh. Uh, he was quite defensive of Kamala Harris. And then I was just oh turning on and flipping over and doing an air check of the other radio station. And they're bashing, you know, how we're bashing the FBI and the deep state and the QAnons and all this stuff. Like, this stuff has to stop. Like, realize what you're trying to protect here. At this point, that is this country. There are literally people out and out to destroy this country. And Mike Pence was very aware of that last night on the stage. The lies that continued to spew out of Kamala Harris were nonstop. And the, uh, uh, the, <laughs> the posturing, the ballyhooing, the, the grandstanding, it was way too well, much. Well, that's what I want to ask you about because I, you know, the, all the way back in 1960, yep. they say, oh, the people who listened to the Nixon Kennedy debate on the radio thought Nixon won, but the people who watched it on TV because. You know, Kennedy was so much more photogenic, and he was just so glib and attractive. Um, I only heard, I didn't see her looks. I didn't see the eye rolls and the head shaking. So, to me, I didn't get the full Monty, I guess. I should have watched it on television. So, from the coverage I read today, I was reading all these things that I couldn't relate to because I just didn't see the visuals. Was it as bad as people are saying in terms of It was, yeah. She was focused not on content. She was more about style you know, posturing yeah. and, and really leveraging what she was doing, you know, on air. Uh, Sean Hannity did a fantastic job last night as he uh, finished up. And, you know, he was pointing out uh, the shortcomings and the contradictions, um, the hypocrisy that was was coming out of uh, Kamala Harris. Fracking uh, being one of them would not answer about stacking the court. Like, yep. these are things that are just slam dunks that she could answer the second time around. Um, we've got them on the run. They know it. Uh, we know it. They can't answer these these things because they know what their strategy is overall. Whether it's Schiff and Pelosi and uh, you know Jerry Nadler and uh, uh, Cuomo and, and and Schumer, like these guys know what the strategy is. She's bled into it, and she's just trying to sell to the point where they can get some power because they're not going to own up 
to the things that they're saying. And in fact, Mike Pence had to point out exactly what Biden's strategy was last night, uh, which was easily easy to uh, isolate. We can't even nail them down on the uh, Green New Energy deal. Right. Right. right? The right. Energy Transition Act that we right. have here in the state of New Mexico. Yeah. You can Biden call it something was, different, but it's still the same thing. I mean, Biden was on top of it. Uh, yeah. Now he's not. You know, and you saw uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez immediately push back. It's like, yeah, we're not into fracking. Fracking is bad. But Kamala Harris last night is saying we're not going to ban fracking. And you have two different uh, audio clips coming from Joe Biden, who barely made it uh, in terms of qualifying at the uh, top of the ticket, who said, yeah, we're going to ban fracking. And then the other thing is like, no, we're never going to ban fracking. So which is it? What does the uh, Democrat Party actually stand for? Uh, They're ostracizing... And they're not playing to their leftist progressive strength that they had in 2018. Mm. They're marginalizing them. And I know a lot of here, lo- the local yokels, you know, Joe Monahan and various other people don't see it coming. But because you're marginalizing them, these aren't the types of people who are going to go with your Democrat party. Exactly. They're not going to go with the blue dog Democrats. And you're missing that. This is why this is going to be a Trump slide uh, in, in 2020. Across this country. Now, this is all dependent upon how well we're able to turn out. There's a massive number of, of uh, voter fraud with the early uh, Democrat uh, uh, turnout. Uh, I'm sorry. You know it as well as I do. It's there. But we're going to be fighting that uh, back every step of the way. And I can tell you right now, Donald Trump, based upon the corruption coming from the Democratic Party, is not going to be relinquishing power very easily, nor are his supporters going to let him. This is why I tell you. I know, Dowd, I, when I say this, I want to say tongue-in-cheek, but I'm really not. But, you know, civil war is imminent at this point. It, there's no way, shape, or form about it. I mean, 26 days, and that's what we're actually looking at. Well, and, and, but think about, think about the fact that you're saying that and sincerely, and I, and I think... I'm not trying to soak fire. I, I, I'm trying to prepare people. I, I can't disagree with it, but, you know, think about the two sides, you know, Team Red and Team Blue right now. Sure. And I hate that. Yeah. I absolutely oh, I, hate yeah, that. I agree. We shouldn't. Which we shouldn't is why have to we talk need a debate. Terms. You know, the whole entire thing was, you know, about you know uh, the one lady who called in last night. Sorry to jump in, no. but, but Chris, when she she called in yes. last night, and I think she made a very good point. We're going to let our citizens make the best decisions for their own health. You know what? That's the most normal thing to say because we're rational actors. We want to stay alive. We're not looking to die. We're not trying. We're not afraid of the coronavirus either. So we can make our own decision. We don't need the government to do that for us. Uh, exact phrase that the governor used today, quote, this is a deadly virus, close quote. And, and folks, what drives me crazy about since day one of this, it's not that they don't tell out and out lies. They just don't tell you the whole picture. They pick and choose the most dangerous element of this. By all means, if you have multiple comorbidities, if you're north of 80, this is a deadly virus. But guess what? Most of us don't fall into that category, and most of us can really live our lives with very few modifications. If you want to wear a mask, that's your choice. Wear it. Use your hand sanitizer. Wash your hands. Stay back from people. Make those decisions yourself. It is a deadly virus for one small segment of the population. It is not a deadly virus for all of us, and that's the policy that's been implemented based on this false notion that we're all equally at risk. We are not. You know, I'm so glad that our radio show is so important at this seminal point uh, in time here in this country, Dowd, and I'm glad that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. But I have to tell you, these people who pop into our heads who haven't been relevant for the last 15, 20, 25 years, Julia Louise Dreyfus, oh, yeah. or various other celebrities who happen to pop up on Twitter. I mean, she goes after Mike Pence's fly moment. And you see the meme sticking out there. This isn't fun anymore. I mean, nobody was really that interested in, in this. And 
That's what Donna Brazil and Juan Williams were laughing at last night and mm-hmm. the immediate responses. And you caught my immediate response. I don't know if you, you were listening to what I was saying. It was like, you know, you know where these guys are going. Yeah. Tell me if I didn't nail any one of those pundits last night in terms of where they were going to go. Because uh, it is formulaic. Yep. They are meant to drive you into this. And I'll tell you, I'll let you run with this because I know you listened and this was probably the, the best uh, part of the night. I hadn't seen Frank Lunson in three, four years. Yeah. I know yeah. that he was uh, really sick. Uh, he's a pollster. He brought in 15 people, okay? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Donald Trump just sent out an email. It says, Eddie, wow, this is the biggest political scandal in history. Sleepy Joe, Lion Obama, and Crooked Hillary led a treasonous plot by spying on my campaign and then blaming it on the Russians. Biden shouldn't be allowed to run. He got caught. Now he needs to pay the price. That's the first email that I've seen from Donald Trump, and it literally, the head, headline, the subject says, Hillary Clinton. Wow. Hillary Clinton. All right, back to this. So Frank Luntz, yep. last night, uh, you saw him break it down. If, I don't know if New Mexico was trying to find that out from the Luntz poll. Like, where did they get these, quote-unquote, undecided voters? Who are they? Most of us have pretty much already decided, you know, where we're at with regard to the, the election. But Frank Luntz was so exacting. Mm-hmm. He talked about style. Yeah. He talked about how we came across. Whom do we trust? Who can get it done? And the fact that, and, and he clearly stated in his uh, final determination or encapsulation of the debate last night that Mike Pence won convincingly, and that was the words from the undecided voters that came from last night. Last week we did not get that. This week we did. I think that sets us into a whole different type of trajectory. You can imagine Donald Trump being very presidential, being much more like uh, Mike Pence was against uh, Kamala Harris, but you can't blame Donald Trump for how he behaved last week because he had to be on the ready. He was being attacked not by one but two people and Chris Wallace started out in earnest last night as they launched headlong into all the comments and he couldn't help himself. He had to absolutely get behind Kamala Harris last night. <laughs> so be part of the second m- one. <laughs> more of this uh, uh, biased media. Tell us what those undecided voters found yes. uh, about uh, Harris's abrasive, condescending style. Yes, uh, Mr. Luntz, fellow nutmegger, by the way, uh, raised in the state of Connecticut, uh, he, his, his, his panel said that uh, Kamala was abrasive and condescending. Uh, this was Mike Pence's night, and this is, this is what I asked you about earlier, Eddie, that I did not see last night because I was just listening. I was working on my computer, so I, I couldn't watch. Always I was working. listening. Um, the smiling, the smirking, the scowling uh, left them far angrier with her performance. And, you know, those... <sighs> I'm in Corrales a lot, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I've, uh, I was raised in the northeast of this country. There's this... It, Al Gore, the condescension in his... In, 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 there's something about that liberal persona. Smarmy. It, I use the word smarmy. And it's, they, they claim to care about people... Uh, you know, to care about all of humanity and their hearts are so big. But when it comes to just sort of be their own conduct and treating just people in their immediate circle well, they don't do such a good job. So frankly, it doesn't surprise me that the smiling, smirking, scowling from this woman. So I got to go back online and watch it on TV to see this for myself. That one point where she stopped and she decided to go ahead and uh, make that face. Did you watch? No. Okay, you just listened. Yeah, I just but listened. But she, yeah. she, she stopped and she's like, I'm speaking. I, I, yep. I, I'm speaking, yep. Yep. Mike yep. Pence. I'm like, yep. 
who in the F are you? <laughs> like, do you I won't be lectured like, by by you. Yeah, like, it was absolutely uh, uh, crazy, and and it's it's more of that uh, type of attitude that we have uh, gotten from Michelle Obama for so long. Mm. Um, here's some of my yeah. comments from the uh, debate last night, and I'll just uh, put it out there. Smarmy Kamala Harris has lost the entire debate. I said this about uh, halfway in. She doesn't have the leadership qualities. It's over. Um, you know. Having leadership means validating the other side, understanding it, and uh, providing uh, a, an alternative uh, solution or something that is objectively true based upon what they're saying. I said grandstanding, posturing, snickering, belaboring, valuing Kamala is incredibly shameful. And the Joe and I routine, that went on all night. Yeah. Multiple times. Yeah. Well, Joe and I, well, yeah. Joe and I, well, can you stand on your own two feet? Well, it's obvious uh, that you can't. Uh, Kamala has zero sense of how bad she's coming off. No sense of herself. She really didn't. Zero. Whoever coached her filled miserably. You saw my point uh, validated by Britt Hume. Um, is that the way that we want our leaders to behave? Uh, there's no way. Uh, I didn't think that we could have a worse debate than we had last week, but Kamala made it happen. <laughs> and you might remember uh, Michelle Obama when she says, when they go low, right? right, right. Uh, you know, in the former attorney we general. We get high. No, I mean, that's we right. go high. I'm sorry. So, so that's where I kind of all, all leave it. 550-5500. One quick reaction here in Akiva. Keep it under a minute. Go ahead. Okay. I, I didn't see the debate. I listened to it after on the radio. But anyway, her whole thing, she did not acknowledge the stacking of the court. She refused to answer yeah. Trump's question, I mean, Pence's question. And she goes back to what Honest Abe done. Well, she told a big fib there because 1864, the Senate did not meet. They were not in session this time of year. They didn't get in session until December 11th or 4th. or No, 4th is when they came in. So they were not even in session to approve his uh, nominee. So that's that. But anyway, as far as the Civil War goes, if Trump wins, we're going to have a Civil War. But it'll be a controlled one. If Trump loses, we will have an unimaginable Civil War. All right. That's well, let's not try to predict at. the uh, outcome. I appreciate the phone call. I think he's spot on on a number of things. But uh, let's just say Kamala Harris's uh, little Lincoln Supreme Court vacancy wasn't true at all. I imagine you already looked it up. No, I haven't. But I've heard I, I've, Washington I've heard from Post. historians today. Yes. Yeah, Washington Post has already uh, basically put it uh, uh, put it out there. MSN, uh, The Blaze, all of them. There have been 29 wow. vacancies on the Supreme Court during presidential election year. From Washington to Obama, and the presidents have nominated 29 in all cases, Pence said. Failing to mention his parties have refused to vote on the Obama's nominee, Merrick Garland, but your party is actually openly advocating adding, adding seats to the Supreme Court, he said, which has had nine seats for 150 years. If you don't get your way, blah, 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 there we go. And Harris responded, I'm so glad we went through this little history lesson. Let's do that a little more. In 1864, Abraham Lincoln was up for re-election. And the seat became open on the United States Supreme Court. Abraham Lincoln's party was in charge of not only the White House, but the Senate. But Honest Abe said it's not the right thing to do. The American people deserve to make the decision about who will be the next president of the United States. And then that person will be able to select who will serve on the highest court of land. So is that true? Well, according to the Washington Post, MSN, even the New York Times. Wow. Yeah, Harris is correct that a seat did become available 27 days before the election, and that Lincoln didn't nominate anyone until after he'd won, but there's no evidence that he thought that the seat should be filled by the winner of the election. In fact, he had other motives for the delay. 
October 12, 1864, a month before the election, Chief Justice Roger Taney died at the age of 87. He had been the justice for 30 years, but will always be best known, or rather notorious, for writing a majority opinion on the Dred Scott Sanford case, in which he declared that black people were inferior, had no rights, and which the white man was bound to respect. Taney had been sick for years, so it didn't come as a surprise to Lincoln, Lincoln that he might have the opportunity to name his own Chief Justice. According to Michael Kahn, who heads the board of directors for President Lincoln's Cottage, but Lincoln was preoccupied with both his campaign and the Civil War. Sherman's troops had just captured Atlanta and would soon march to the sea. He told his aides he wouldn't nominate anyone immediately because he was, quote-unquote, waiting to receive expressions of public opinion from the country, according to historian Michael Burlingame, a Lincoln uh, who wrote Lincoln a life. It's that black book. You've seen that red, white, and blue. You remember those in the in the bookstores. But that didn't mean he was waiting for ballots so much as the mail. Letters flooded in all over the country. What about Secretary of War Edwin Stanton? Some suggested. Or Associate Justice Noah Swain. Francis P. Blair recommended his son Montgomery. A Postmaster General. Attorney General Edward Bates recommended himself. And then there was Samuel P. Chase. Chase was a former Senator, Governor of Ohio, Secretary of the Treasury. According to Burlingham, thought that he was destined to be President. He had vied unsuccessfully against Lincoln for the Republican nomination in '60. Though Lincoln disliked him, Chase had a lot of supporters. Chase's opponents told Lincoln all the nasty things Chase had said about him behind his back. So the overreaching effect of the delay is that it held Lincoln's broad but shaky coalition of conservative and radical Republicans together. And it kept rivals like Chase, quote-unquote, in line. Chase, who had often been critical of Lincoln in the past, immediately began stumping for the president across the Midwest, sparking rumors of a secret deal, according to Con Congress, in recess into December... So there, was no, there would have been no point in naming a man before the election anyway. Lincoln shrewdly used it to his advantage. If he had lost the election, there would be no evidence he wouldn't have filled a spot in the lame duck session. So, of course, he was reelected, and the day after the Senate was back in session, he nominated Chase for Chief Justice. He hoped the August appointment would neutralize Chase's designs on the presidency, and, of course, it didn't. So there's the real story, and uh, she was out there. No touting something that she didn't know anything about. Dan. Unbelievable. And to that historical, complicated situation, this is how she summarized it. Honest Abe said, it's not the right thing to do. He said, no such thing. There you go. But, you know, in the throes of all this back and forth, you have your fact checkers who have the internet, who have the immediacy of the truth. 445 back and forth.